Welcome everyone to episode 2-2 of Retro Encounter, where we play through Final Fantasy X and talk about it. I'm Josh Curry, and with me is Mike Solosi. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked that you got that name right the first time. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know that's the 10th recording, but yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't going to say anything. It's shattered now. Um, and that beautiful voice... not pronouncing last names. ...is Peter Treisenberg. Hello, and you got that right too. Congratulations. Oh, now the pressure's on for the third one. And that's the hardest one. Um, and as you've probably heard, the final voice is Caitlin. Arzuros. Oh, well, I was just going to stop at Caitlin. <laughs> I can pronounce my own last name. Thank you very much. So, uh, we have been playing more Final Fantasy. We've been interrupted by trips and E3, but we've soldiered on. And it seems yeah. like. Only yeah, so, soldiered on E3. In the immortal words of Stained, it's been a while. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah we, I mean, there were some setbacks. There were a couple almost recordings that didn't happen. But we have played a lot more Final Fantasy X, and I think we're ready to talk about it. Oh, but and... Some of us. Some of us have played a lot more. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm right. joining you because uh, Steven... Just got back from E3 with all of our other RPG fan people and has a lot to, to do. Obviously, there's a lot to, that uh, went on at E3, a lot to sit out to talk about, and couldn't make uh, this episode, so I'm here to fill in. And um, it was kind of last minute, so uh, I haven't played this game in a long time, so uh, bear with me when I talk about stuff and get stuff wrong and get confused about what happened when and who's that character, and I don't remember that boss. If it makes you feel better, Caitlin, this is the first set of games that you're on that you haven't played. This is now officially Steven's second set of games that he will not finish for this podcast. <laughs> I'd, I'd say that uh, I won't tell him you said that, but he's going to hear it anyway. Yeah, I'm very excited for him to hear about that. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah I'm, I, I'm far enough along that I'm definitely finishing this game now. Uh, I think we were supposed to have played... Uh, what was it? Through um, through Makalania Temple? Yeah, uh, with the Battle of the Wendigo or whatever. Right. Something God. about Seymour is what I remember. Yeah, Wendigo is uh, right after the first Seymour fight. Seymo? Seymo. <laughs> yep, Seymo. Nice to Seymo. It's either right before or right after the first Seymour fight. That's it's his, right you know, yeah. gangsta name. Seymo. <laughs> Seymo Green. Mr. Simo, what is this? He'd be so much cooler if he had auto-tune on his voice. Yeah, instead he sounds he has that that vague lilting voice that just screams child molester. It's it's weird. See, and, it was the awkward horns that got it for me. And he uh, he needs to put on a, a, a real shirt and not this like not like this thing that opens up at his navel and then just sort of drapes. It's what it's I wanna, weird. What I what I want to know is, are those are those tattoos or is that chest hair that he has? I chest hair. I think it's chest hair. He's keeping it sexy. Okay, because in the HD remake, it looks more like a tattoo. Maybe that's just how the texture turned out. He's like, I don't know. He's like weird early two thousands anime Russell Brand or something. He just, yeah, he, <laughs> he has this like vague creepiness to him. Then he should be wearing more clothes than he's wearing. Uh, he needs like, to fire his stylist, his hairstylist. Yeah, I'm I mean, so is that actually hair or is that his like, is that like a horn? Like, I don't I understand what's going on with that. I think it's hair. I, think I don't what, know. It was weird. I mean, 
Guados in general, I, I, you know, you know, I, at first I thought it was antenna, but I, I mean, he's <laughs> half human, but he's. What does that even mean? I, I don't know, man. <laughs> he can definitely use a fashion consultation, though. He's got. He, I don't. I don't even know what he's wearing. And Seymour. some nail files. Oh right. Uh, Guys, Seymour put a lot of time into his morning primping. We shouldn't judge him. I'm gonna judge the hell out of him. His cocaine nails. <laughs> I feel like a lot of Final Fantasy villains, especially in the earlier era, had that thing going for them where it's kind of like, they're edgy and, yes, I know my outfit or my hair or whatever is ridiculous, but don't judge me. I'm going mean, to destroy the world because you're judging me. Okay, I, mean, I, I would I would 100 Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. I was just going to say, nothing beats Kuja's man. Fun, yeah, but... I, I was going to go in a similar... Th- I, I 100% believe... Uh, Kuja would say what Caitlyn just, just, uh, just say, just said, because what? I mean, what, I mean, Kuja's like, I, is he? I, he's not even wearing pants where he should have pants. It's man. He's basically, he's basically just wearing a swimsuit bottom. Yeah. And and he is weird and moody enough that he would destroy the world if someone complained about his outfit in front of him. But that's a Final Fantasy for another day. We should right. probably stick to ten. Right. So, so I'm ten. On Seymour, did anybody... I know all of us have already played this game once, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did, do you guys remember back, way back in the day, the first time you ever played, did you ever think he was going to be even semi-decent of a person? No. Oh, no. I, I was immediately creeped out by him, and I'm sure... And I was sure he was going to be a villain. I thought... I, I, I think at first I thought he was going to be, like, the final villain, but, uh, no, he's... Whatever, I, I think, he's, I, he's just a recurring I think... I think the emaciated mummy thing that serves as his summon, that is also his mother, spoiler alert, kind of gives it everything away. Yeah, you're not a good you're not a good guy when that is like your special power. It's like, oh, oh. It's like oh. The, haircut, the haircut, the sort of rapey voice, and then that giant mummy monster does does not indicate he's a good fellow. At least to me. So you're saying he has mommy issues? Uh, well, yes. He, he, I mean, he 100% does. Uh, I'm a little bit probably too far in the game, but they actually go into the mommy issues specifically if you uh, if you find Baj Temple right at, uh, after you get the airship, uh, huh. which was, which was illuminating to me because I uh, the first time I played the game I had not done that, but I just doing some end game stuff. It, it goes into detail his uh, his mommy issues. And how he got that Aeon, which is not one of the five main Aeons of the game. And, uh, and yeah, etc. So, go, go ahead. Oh, if you summon her during the final Seymour fight, then um, you, there's some extra dialogue you get to. Oh, I, I didn't do that. Or I yeah, have, he, actually, I don't, yeah, think, I don't think I have, I've hit the final Seymour fight yet. Yeah, during during that, that's I me. Mean, it's more a thing for the next podcast. But yeah, there's some extra. There's a little bit of extra dialogue if you summon Anima oh. during that fight. It's I pretty will, cool. I will have to do that now. I did not know that. So for me, it was one of those kind of like first impression. Everything like, yeah, he's he's gonna be this terrible person. Um, but after you, you do the L bed where they try to use all of the Machina to destroy Sin. Oh yeah, actually, Operation Mehen. Yeah. So he actually joins your party, and that was the. I remember like that really throwing me for a loop the first time I played because most times I feel like if somebody enters your party, they at least sort of stay, or like 
I don't know that that I just remember that making it so I assumed that he was going to be part of our party again. Huh, I guess it's like I, it's like the one time Sephiroth joined yeah, your party. Yeah, I was just gonna say because I mean yeah, yeah, there's I mean and um uh, uh in the first lunar game the final villain of the game joins your party for a minute and then immediately t <laughs> turns evil like in the next scene. So it's it's not like there's no precedent for this, but I it, it was a little bit of a twist, like someone who I assumed was evil, just you know, very obviously being your ally and protecting Yuna for that Operation Mehen scene. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Uh, yeah, I, so I was just always creeped out by him, so I never there was no doubt in my mind ever that he was the villain. Well, he's got an ulterior motive to want to protect Yuna at that uh, point. Creepily proposed to her. No yeah. Weird planet world thing. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, but I also, as creepy as he was, he would have been a kick-ass party member. Yeah, he seemed to have a lot of magic on his in his fear grid. Yeah. So I was actually really excited for. I, I, I remember thinking he's he's going to leave. He's going to come back towards the end of the game because he's so overpowered. He's going to fit in right there, like in those final segments, and be able to help out. And obviously, that's not the case. But can you like? Imagine, like, if they had skits, uh, if that happened and they had skits like the Tales games and everyone's just sitting around talking and I, I don't know how he would fit in with the dynamic the group has. Like, they try to awkwardly get Seymour to join in on, like, making dinner or something. <laughs> like having a Final Fantasy XV style road trip with these seven relatively uh, normal characters <laughs> that get along and then Seymour just sitting there. <laughs> Yes, uh, voice melting badly. Even better oh. if it was Fire Emblem esque, so you could have him next oh, to like no. Lulu. <laughs> I would want to hear his support conversation with Riku. That that would get weird quick. And all of a sudden, everybody's having kids with Seymour. Yeah. Ah, uh, no, whoa, whoa. All right. <laughs> that 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 that's somewhere. I think that's a good image to move on from. I thought you were just gonna say that's a good image to end the podcast on. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, guys. Uh, so all right, see you next week for episode 2 3. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. Seymour is a creep. Um, but after all that, is. Uh, well, actually, right before all. So I think now, now comes the time where we must discuss the Blitz Ball. The Blitz. The Teach worst us thing how in the world. to Blitz! Oh, God. That's. Oh, that. On, on the one side, we have Josh Curry. On the other side, we have Mike Solosi. And one of us is right. <laughs> and his name starts with a J. Um, uh, which which side is the, I hate this, why they did they do this, I don't want to play this? That's, that's the Josh Curry side. I'm on, on your side then, bro. I'm sorry, Mike, you're outnumbered. Yeah, that that is absolutely horrific. Uh, I only played it twice. I played it twice because I had to, because I had to win in that tournament game but uh yeah both times second half i have do the jack shot and as the jack shot is flying towards the goal they blow the whistle sub out uh titus end that play so i don't score a goal and i went to like eight or nine overtimes in both games and it was impossible for me to score i just watched everybody swim in circles acting like idiots 
yeah, see, just 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 so we don't get just so before we get like too much into Blitzball, I I my tune on it. I used to hate it. Like I it absolutely used to be my worst favorite mini, my like least favorite mini game in like all of Final Fantasy. I've played it a lot more on this playthrough, and I'm actually kind of having fun with it. But I do think the lead up into it with that first championship game is really bad. Like the fact that they don't teach you how to play until you're literally at the championship. I I, I hate that. Yeah, they do sort of throw you in a little bit too early, because there's a, there's a couple rough things about that first game. First of all, the Aurochs are terrible, and <laughs> Fuck! and then the yes. second and the second of and the second thing, it's really hard to win that game if you don't have the Jack shot. And I, I one of the that reminds me, um, I think in the forums after the first episode aired, one someone wanted to ask, did we all get the Jack shot on our first try on the boat? Not on the first try. I reset the game a few times. I don't remember. I know I had it, so... So you must have at least eventually got it. Yeah. I got it on the first try. I did too, but when I played the game ten years ago, I definitely had to restart and try again. I never got it the first time through. Oh, okay. I didn't even know it existed uh, back when I played. But that's a good point that, you know, except for Titus and Waka, the rest of the team sucks, and it's kind of hard to start like that and to want to keep going and build them up when you only have two different players and really one of them is, is, you know, the one you want doing all the work and he can't do all the work. It's supposed to be a team game. Yeah. It's, they're, they're, your teammates are not good. And the way I, I, uh, I did win the Luca goers game on my first try, but I got pretty lucky. I basically just passed the ball a lot and played defense the entire first half. And the second half, I, you know, I learned the jack shot, and I pulled everyone offside, and then, you know, passed to Titus near the middle, jack shot, clear out two defenders, goal, and then just played keep away ball the rest of the game. It was it was a very ugly 1-0 victory. But, I mean, that is about as bad as Blitzball gets in the game. Once, you, once you're out there, out in the world recruiting people, and you have a little bit more control over what your uh, roster can be, the game is is less busted and more fun and better in general. Nope. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that the game doesn't get better, but it definitely doesn't put its best foot forward. I I think it's, I go ahead. I I still just sort of don't agree with the, uh, just the general format of how the game plays out. I mean, (laughs) I just, I don't like the whole, I get it, it's an RPG within an RPG, but it feels so stilted because every time you encounter defenders, oh, you have to stop and look at your smooth. It doesn't feel like it would feel if you were actually playing this, I mean, if we could play this in real life. So well, it, should, it, should, kind of, well, it should be real time. It, yeah, yeah. It, it would make more time. sense in real time, but I mean, it's, uh, oh, I don't even know how to how to approach this. It's It's basically... I don't. I don't think I need to explain the game to you exactly, but I. I'm not. I don't. I don't mind the sort of weird turn-basedness of it. It's really just a game about positioning and and just and just drawing the stupid AI off of their mark. Because if you have the ject shot, the game is almost. And you have decent stats on your other players, so they can get people into position. The game is almost too easy. I mean, so that's uh, not worth playing. <laughs> Thank you for proving my point. Well, okay, but let me ask no. you, how long does it take you to, to get through a match? Like, it takes a long time, even if you Like have... 8 to 10 minutes. Oh, I... Okay, I must have had sucky people. I remember it taking me 
a lot longer to get through a game. And that was the other problem. It, it takes time, and it feels stilted as a result. That's because, Caitlin, it felt like forever. Because it is the <laughs> worst thing. It probably was eight minutes. I, I fully believe that's how long it was. It's at least ten. It because... feels I, I probably I probably started... I mean, once... Cause I, uh, before I say exactly how many how much Blitzball I've played, could you each go through how many games you've played of Blitzball in this playthrough? Just to just, just, just one just one league. So one league, which is which is ten matches. Yeah. Holy crap! And Josh, how many did you you said you just played like two or three? I did the two for that championship game because I got mad that I lost the first time. Okay. Now, not counting the championship game, I've played around sixty-five or seventy matches. Holy crap! Uh, and I got um, the Jupiter Sigil, which is like the sort of the the biggest reward for uh, for Waka's ultimate weapon, right around match fifty or fifty five, and then I played another ten fifteen more. So yeah, that's that's where I am right now in Blitzball. It's I I've enjoyed it a lot. I've uh, sort of made it my podcast game where I you know throw it uh, throw it on, play some matches while I'm listening to to a podcast and. Man, I think if you have once you have control over your roster and can develop the team how you want to, it's a lot more fun. But uh, I'm gonna back up a little bit and not talk about Blitzball specifically, but I think it's a good idea, at least, to, in, in terms of its of it being a sort of pervasive side quest in minigames. Sort of, it's kind of like Triple Triad or Tetra Master from eight or nine, where. Uh, where a bunch of where a bunch of N a bunch of NPCs in the world can be involved in it, and you get rewarded by encountering these NPCs and sort of investing in them a little bit. That's and it's sort of a pervasive, like, uh, pervasive mini game that can stretch through the whole game. But uh, unlike those, instead of being a nice simple card game, this is a weird stilted sport where it's hard to tell when the clock's running and when it isn't running. <laughs> Like like uh, like Josh, you mentioned that you uh, it happened to you twice that you shot a you shot a jet shot and the and the timer ran out as it was as the animation was going on. It was uh the t like at the two and a half mark or whatever the half mark is where they sub out uh, Titus for Waka. Right, that it, that is incredible. That is so weird to get used to because the timer runs during pass animations and shooting animations, which are way too lengthy, and I think I would like the game better if, it w if they were sh quicker, but um, doesn't during during challenges and tackles. So it's it, it's really weird to get used to the timing of all that, but once I did a tiny bit of recruiting right after, uh, right after the events in Luka, I got a pretty good team, um, and I never lost a game of Blitzball after that. It's... It, 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 it's, fu it's fun once you get used to the basic mechanics of it and get rid of some of the really crappy Oroks on your team. I just, I couldn't ever be bothered to um, devote enough time to it to do that. I, I don't believe I ever did all the work you could do to get, is it, is it Waka's ultimate weapon or is it a limit break? I think both. Both. Um, all you get all of his limit breaks from Blitzball tournaments, and you get the sigil for his ultimate weapon, by uh, uh, in the reward, and, and that's the one that takes a long time to get. I, I I got it in about 50 matches, and I think that's close to the minimum number that you have to play to get it, <laughs> because because you can't get the sigil until you have the other three reels, 
and each of those four things, three reels and the one sigil, requires it being a reward in a 10-game Blitzball League. One of, them might, one of them might be a tournament instead of a full league. But, yeah, it takes a while. But And, um, and if you don't want to do all of that, I, I totally get it, because 50 games of Blitzball is a lot. And, uh, and I'm definitely an exception to the rule in that I liked Blitzball enough to, to play that much. But even if you aren't planning on getting that sigil, I think it's a good idea to do the one league or one tournament or whatever it takes to get attack reels. Because that Waka Limit Break is the most damaging move in the game. That, that move carried me through every single boss fight. Attack reels is great. I don't know. I think I was OP'd enough I didn't need it. I guess so, but it, it's the strongest move in the game, at least at least that I've used. I'm just not willing to do that. Yeah, like, I, don't, I, I don't think the reward is enough for me. Yeah, I, I can respect what you're saying. If it, um, like, had led to an extra... Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. If it, like, led to, like, you know, extra content, like story-wise for Waka or whatnot, you know, maybe that would have been more of a uh, a reason for me to go through with it, but it, I didn't need a limit break or his weapon to, you know, totally trounce endgame bosses, so it's just kind of like, okay, no thank you. I'd rather never finish the game and not have to play another game. Let's <laughs> oh yeah, you still have <laughs> You still haven't finished the game. Alright, I forgot. Yeah, I stopped uh, uh, the second fight of Seymour. Okay, time. well, I mean, I like Blitzball. I think it's fun recruiting people all over the world and playing it. And one unusual thing, it, um, all of the... At every single one of Rin's travel agencies, there's a really good Blitzball player at almost every single one. Oh, really? Like, That's like, interesting. Like, my two... My two best players, other than Titus, I both are both random albeds that I got at Rin Travel Agencies, um, and one of one of them is like the be I, is has been my best defender the whole game. Uh, is the Rin's Travel Agency right outside of Luca? So I I recruited like a midfielder and a goalie in Luca, and then I got a defender at that travel agency right out right on the Meehan High Road, and then I used that to get attack reels basically right outside of Luca, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get not, I, mean, I get not liking Blitzball as much as I do, but I still think as a side quest that uh, is that you know changes as you, as you can recruit more players in new areas. I, I think it's a pretty cool idea for a side quest. That's maybe and maybe the pace of the game is is weird that it doesn't really ultimately pay off on the really interesting idea of managing and coaching and being the star player of your own sports team, which I guess is weird. Uh. But I, I think it's a cool idea that mostly delivers, and, but 50 games is a lot to get uh, Waka's best sigil. Yeah, I, I agree. And this is not even fair to this game specifically. But there, I'm always torn with this because I, I, I love doing everything. Um, but when you have these kind of world quests, the world's going to end, we need to do this, it's super important. Like it's gonna, Everybody's going to die tomorrow. Going on some of these side quests where there's it, definitely this is this is like a recreational type thing. It always kind of strikes like there's that little narrative dissonance. Um, I know it's not fair to this specifically. I, I think it's easier for me to get upset about it because I really hate this side quest. <laughs> right. 
it's, it's like how in Final Fantasy VIII, when on on disc four, when the world's basically ended, but you can leave and go play Triple Triad with the they're the people the people who survived the apocalypse are the Triple Triad players. Yeah, one of my one of the ones I think that's the worst is uh, Mass Effect Two. After which spoilers for Mass Effect Two, um, but after your whole crew is kind of taken. And they at least have a punishment if you don't go and save everybody right away. But yeah, if you yeah, want, you yeah, can just yeah, wander yeah. away and do like two, three missions. Yeah, you can totally go back to Omega and just and just hang out and 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 go out for drinks or something while your entire ship was abducted. Yeah, and as long as you do, I think it's if you, you play three missions, then it's a negative effect. But if you do one or two, completely fine. You can just go off and do whatever you want, and then everybody will still survive. Oh no, you didn't. What? Yeah, you brought uh, up Mass Effect. Mass Effect Two. Is that is that a problem? I I like Mass Effect. Eh, just don't get me started talking about Mass Effect. Because uh, okay. this, this podcast will never sure. end. All right. Yes. Mass maybe, Effect maybe Two is a, maybe that can be a future episode of Retro Encounter. Mass Effect Two is in my top five games of all time. So I'm, I'm not talking shit about Mass Effect Two. You guys are complaining that Final Fantasy X w- w- wasn't retro enough. Well, we're going to talk about <laughs> Mass Effect 2 on Retro Encounter. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think, what is that, a 2011 game? Because we can. 2010, maybe. 2010, yeah. You know, the worst part is... Uh, I was a doing... different person when I was five years ago. Sure. <laughs> uh, doing all the I was. E3 coverage, I, I seems like I kept having to write or at least view stuff for uh, Bravely Second. And I kept looking, I was like, we should do Bravely Default on Retro Encounter. That game came out in 2012 in Japan and last year in the United States. And technically our rule is it has to be older than a year, but we're shooting for older than two years. Oh, so I, it's, I wasn't aware that was the rule, but okay. It, that's the hard set rule that we set, just to, which basically means you can play anything as long as it's not brand new. We've just skewed older because it... There's so much good games to be able to play. Oh yeah, I mean, we, we have an, a near infinite wealth of possible games for future retro encounter episodes and we encourage uh listeners to send us emails at retro at rpgfan.com or go on the forums and suggest uh games for us to play we we love like hearing from you guys but But you just uh, throw it in there as a teaser (laughs) we're going to announce our next game at the end of this podcast okay sure i'm not i'm still not sure i i don't think we totally know which one of i i'm not sure if i'm going to volunteer for that episode yet but uh yeah uh so back on ff10 where are we um blitzball's the greatest we okay. already established that okay uh, it's my turn to, it's my turn to be negative great. okay all right it's my turn to be negative those stupid sphere puzzles in the cloister of trials are the oh. worst thing ever discussed really really those are super easy I like them. Oh my god, I like how we just switched sides. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm actually on Peter's side with this. They they totally I mean I mean the logic of them doesn't I I I, I don't I doesn't I don't like it. I mean it's it's this is the logic that, of them. You insert a ball have, into a hole. Okay, all right. Okay. This game does not of, have dungeons with puzzles. It doesn't. Like it's a lot every of really dungeon boring. is a cor- is just a corridor. So instead of dungeons with real puzzles, they give us these stupid like sphere puzzles in the cl- in the cloisters of trials, I I did not like any of them. It, it, it's just a bunch of really boring. Like put the thing in the thing, push the thing in this specific sequence. If you screw up, you'll have to reset it and do it over again. And 
but make sure you do the extra hidden thing in order to find the hidden thing so you can get the secret Aeon, and I don't know, it's annoying, and it breaks the pace, and I hate it, and... So you're uh, gonna say that this breaks the pace, but... Blitzball Blitz does not? Yes! That is exactly <laughs> what I'm saying! I had to, like, censor myself, because, like... I almost had like seven swear words in a row, and I'm sure you guys wouldn't be happy with that. Okay, but you know what? You know what? For the most part, Blitzball is optional, and you don't have to win that first game. True. You have to do at least five sphere puzzles, and they all suck. I guess my only problem I have with the Cloisters is not necessarily the puzzle. I'm fine with that. I actually kind of found that enjoyable. Um, I wish there was some sort of group activity fight whatever you know doing something instead of just wandering into a room waiting 10 minutes and then having her come out with Aeon. yeah um i, I guess my problem with the sphere puzzles puzzles isn't with the puzzles themselves it's that th the game doesn't really have dungeons there's just i mean you just have these long corridors for field maps and more corridors and corridors in interior areas but then out of nowhere you'll have these no combat puzzles that are, aren't totally intuitive, and uh, can and will actually bite you in the ass and light and lock you away from endgame content if you don't do the destruction fierce puzzles, which Peter alluded to earlier. Because I'm I'm playing the HD remastered version of it, which is you know uses the international version of FF10, and two of the puzzles, uh, two of the temples. It's one of them is Besaid, and I forget the other one. If you don't get the destruction spheres, then, then you have to beat a dark Aeon to access them again, which is. I think it's... Go ahead. Which one is it? I, I no, I, I actually just slipped my mind. I think it might be Kelica, but I'm not sure. It's, I, I don't remember which one it is, but it's um, two of them you get locked away from if you don't get the uh, uh the destruction spheres the first the spheres the first time, and dark aeons are like super end game bosses that you need to have near max stats in order to even scratch. So you're being a final person to get a final item. I don't I don't see the problem with that. It's not even a final item. Like um, the those those items you can get just the first run through, and you need all of those I items to get anima. So like you won't be able to get these aeons until you unless you beat these super duper end game super bosses. It it doesn't so much it doesn't so much lock it doesn't so much lock away end game content as it does lock away interesting story content. Yeah, that's true. And and the fact that the dark aeons are and this is this is probably something we'll go into more detail on in the last show, but the fact that the dark aeons are so kind of awkwardly thrown into the game at random points, like it just makes it makes getting them if you miss them. It just makes it that much more difficult. And that, uh, oh yeah, that, uh, I hate to hammer on this point again, but I, I still am bummed out by the lack of a real world map in FF10. It makes backtracking really frustrating, and because by the time you're allowed to freely backtrack anywhere, you have Dark Aeons locking you away from like specific parts of the game. So if you don't backtrack all the way to Besaid Island. At uh, the moment you unlock those Jex spheres, then you can't get the Jex sphere there without beating the Dark Aeon. So it's <sighs> like backtracking is a real bummer until you get the airship, and once you get the airship, a bunch of stuff is sealed away by Dark Aeons, and that sucks. I wish this game had a real-world map. Uh, sure. Okay. I don't have a problem with anything that you're saying. Uh, it it does suck, um, but at the same time, like 
it's one of those things you're not supposed to casually just awkwardly have like come across all of that it's supposed to be you're coming through on a second playthrough or third playthrough that you actually understand the game to be able to get end game content that's kind of the whole idea of that whole concept i i don't think of it as end game content um like the jet spheres i was talking about those are the ways to unlock all of Oren's overdrives that that's something that should be like that you should maybe gradually learn over the course of a game even if it's the first time you play the game and uh and necessitating backtracking to get mo all of them or most of them uh is a real bummer and having parts of the game gated away by these dark aeons after you get the airship that lets you travel anywhere is also a bummer i think that if the game was a little bit more like a, tr a, I say traditional, but like an older Final Fantasy game with a world map that you could, uh, that would let you backtrack, the world would seem a little bigger and more of the game would be accessible the first time through. And I, I, I think that as a, even though Final Fantasy X is, is a really uh, well-told linear sto story and a very beautiful game in general, I think that's a detriment to it. That that uh, backtracking is is really hard to do. Well, on the other hand, though, if there had been no backtracking, it would have well, it would have been uh, thirteen because that was essentially thirteen. Thirteen had almost no backtracking, and people had issues with that because it felt like it was just a point A to point B. Traveler's Corridor, yeah. game, you know. It, it, so, it feels more like a corridor, and it makes the game world feel smaller, I think. If, but, you, if, you, if, you, if you don't have a giant world map to walk through and, like, become part of your experience. Well, I, I, I think part of it, though, is that this is the first Final Fantasy on PS2, and they did a lot of firsts. I mean, it, it was much more cinematic, graphics, obviously, voice acting. And I think part of them trying to reimagine the formula and sort of take it into the modern era was to say hey do we really need world maps aren't world maps and the sort of you know super you know deformed characters that you have traveling them isn't that a little bit old school maybe we should try to make it a more organic experience that feels like just one continuous story instead of having this gigantic world map absolutely i can Completely and utterly agree with Caitlin, and to go full like yeah, defense force for Final Fantasy Thirteen. <laughs> oh boy! Like, Wait. there's absolutely nothing wrong with walking down a straight corridor. I so, I I think straight corridors are a lot more boring than fully re realized dungeons that have more to them than just occasionally going to an alcove to pick up an X potion. I agree. It's absolutely lazy. I don't think it's the best game design, but going back to what I was just talking about with side quests, there's supposed to be a purpose to your like you're moving in a direction, and yes, that is the absolute simplification of that. But you shouldn't be going to shouldn't be going to the final fight, final boss, save the world, and be like, you know what? I'm gonna go back to Bassay, just hang out on the beach, you know, just stand in the water. Good times, right? Like, remember how the whole game started like this? No. Yeah. You shouldn't do that. 13 Why not? Does give you, 13 does give you the option to go back down to the surface and grind a lot, but that's for its, like, one side quest. But I, I agree with what you're saying. I, for 
even though people complain a lot about Final Fantasy 13 missing a bunch of features from past Final Fantasy games, but it is focused on what the story it's trying to tell. And I actually think 13 actually gives a more concise story than basically any other Final Fantasy because of that. Ooh, that that's that's, Ooh. A, that's a, a discussion <laughs> that's for another nice. day, I think. No comment. <laughs> There's a chocobo yeah, in his I hair. I agree. Yeah, there's a chocobo in his hair, and if the, if the sequels are canon, that chocobo becomes the shopkeeper. That's like Wait. the best sto- uh, storytelling I've ever heard in my life. You mean you mean Chocobo Kalina or whatever her name is? Yeah, yeah, Chocobo Kalina. I mean Shakespeare's got nothing on that. <laughs> I, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna show myself out now. Chocobo, yes. Chocobo, wherefore art thou, Chocobo? Here's my boots. Take it with you. It might be useful if you, the master of chocobos, take it with you. I I, I feel like the PS two down, the PS two era specifically, like the PS three. Well, definitely we got to three P uh, three sixty era. Okay, well, which PS are we talking about now? So, it started in PS two. PS three and Xbox. Moving forward to that, we had this transition from kind of open or very little or no storytelling, just in games in general. And I, I think definitely in that 360 era, we went so far over to a very linear experience, but we had this huge transition into focusing on story. Uh, kind of more having a cinematic view, having an actual concise storytelling. And I think Final Fantasy X is kind of one of those games that you, in a lot of ways you could say falls in that transition period, where they're still having some sort of freedom but they're still having that linear kind of drive because they're trying to focus more on these cinematic movies that they spent crap tons amount of money on to make them look gorgeous. And I, I feel like that's kind of the direction they're moving is to make sure that you got wrapped up in the characters in this uh, storyline. I think it was a design decision. I actually have no problem with it. Well, okay, I mean, it was a design decision. And, um, like, comparing the older Final Fantasy games and their sort of more open exploration to the cinematic, the more linear presentation of 10 I, I, and and sort of not equating that, but also at the same time talking about the open world trend of the PS3 uh, 360 era and the more cinematic Final Fantasy 13. I don't think that, I, I don't think those are totally the same trend exactly. But uh, it, it definitely is a design choice making Final Fantasy X and thirteen as linear as they are. And frankly, it doesn't appeal to me as much as a game that has a little bit more freedom and the ability to backtrack, especially since they make backtracking rewarding with things like those ject spheres and going back for destruction spheres if necessary and, uh, and even recruiting Blitzball players. Like, backtracking is rewarding, but then they... But then the, the changes with the dark with the dark aeons gating it away, and and making it so cumbersome to backtrack before you have the airship. I, I think there's I, I don't think that totally works. It's it's a little bit dissonant in in how in like how they balance it out, and I think that's a weakness of the game. I think I, that's I, why I have, twelve is a better game. Twelve feels a lot larger than ten. It and, does. And it has it it doesn't really go back to a world old world map in. Uh, exactly, but it, like the but very, the very large maps and just and the way that it arranges its pl- gameplay spaces, I think is much better than ten. Yeah. 
And I say and I say that as someone who I guess in general I prefer ten to twelve, but I, I, I Yeah. I haven't everybody I think at this point knows that twelve's my favorite Final Fantasy. Mine too. Yeah, see? This is why we brought her on today. <laughs> exactly. Um, all of my favorite exactly. Final Fantasies were made before the year 2000. But It's all not, part of our evil plot to hijack the podcast to talk about 12. <laughs> yeah, it, tw- that HD collection? Yes! Yeah, 12 I, is... I would try 12 again if we got the Zodiac version on HD. I would. Oh, we're getting it. There's no way it's not happening. It, it's Square. They love repackaging the same thing and making us buy it repeatedly. How many, I, I think I have six copies of Final Fantasy IV to prove your point. Yeah, yeah, uh, that yeah. So I I, I agree with what you're saying. It, it's not even necessarily a story thing, but a lot of times you feel a bigger, a more attachment to the story, like the world. I agree. It's something that you lose in 13. It's something you lose to a certain extent with 10. Um, whereas, just to use 12 as an easy example, it felt more like a living, breathing world, and so you kind of get caught up in things. And I, I, I think in that regard, then it, it, if you do hit a couple snags, like you don't like Blitzball, or you don't like this boss, or you don't like this or that, I feel like it kind of gives you a greater attachment that you'll push through that. Well, then, I don't know, maybe the happy medium is to not necessarily have an overworld that you move on, a la, you know, 7, 8, 9, but to have a world map that you can interact with to facilitate traveling between places like 12 to yeah. sort of get you that scale of the world and let you see where places are and feel the sort of the, the lay of the land without necessarily having to do the overworld map exploration uh, and, 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 and on that I adore 4 I, I absolutely do but there's large periods of time that's like why am I in an airship why am I in a drill ship like why, why, why am, am I, I why am I in another airship why am I flying a giant whale ship yeah, it, there, it's, there's, it, a, there's a ship problem with FF4. I'll, I'll take you. I'll give you that. But it, it's one of those things you kind of lose your thread of what's going on because there is it. It is so open, uh, which in some regards that's what I love about it. I would just wander around for hours just grinding things out because I enjoyed fighting and just moseying around. <laughs> well, I mean, doing that also you run into the old JRPG problem of, okay, it's not totally well communicated where I'm supposed to go next. Where in FF10 you have this convenient red arrow, always telling you the, uh, pointing you to the direction of the next place. At least it's not the breadcrumb system of Fable, so we're still doing okay. Oh, can I talk about one weird pet peeve? I don't even know if it's a pet peeve, but it's just something I noticed playing with playing FF10. A lot of the time, to get get to the next story place, all you have to do is just try and exit the room. It, it it's happened like eight times. I swear, it's like okay. Who am I supposed to talk to? I'm talking to everyone. I don't really know what to do. And then I accidentally go too close to the to the exit, and then the the story happens. It, I had that with the first so or weird. second cloister. It happens um, the cloister. It happens at Seymour's house in Guadalajara. It, it, a bunch of places it happens, and, and I I don't know why I keep getting fooled by it. It's it's just a, it's a little it's a weird event flagging device that I don't totally love, but now I sort of think it's funny. So whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if there's really a good way, because we, uh, with uh, Trails in the Sky, we complained about you had to do certain actions to be able to complete stuff. And so that was confusing, because if you missed one, but you went through this whole ship looking for stuff, you feel cheated on the experience, because it's you just get frustrated immediately. 
Yeah, well, I mean, Falcom games always do that. The East ones, too, with uh, just it, just weird event flagging. You have to do exactly this, then this to get this, and sometimes it feels artificial or stupid. But in FF10, yeah. in FF10, I just noticed, oh, I just have to try and go back through the entrance, and then the next story scene happens, and I, I thought that was quirky, sure. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. I just don't know. I personally, I, I thought about this when we were doing uh, trials. I couldn't think of a, the right way to do this because if you try to leave, that su seems super weird. You're in a sacred place. They're already upset that you're wandering around. Why would you leave and go to wander around? Of course, you're going to get pissed. That, that shouldn't be an answer. But then also, you shouldn't be obligated to talk to everybody. But if you put it on a timer, maybe you don't get to do everything that you want or maybe you're stuck there sitting for three minutes as it goes down. I don't know, really know right what the right way is to kind of solve that. Yeah, but, um, I mean, Caitlin was talking about this earlier. This was their first big PS2 effort. I don't think the bouncer counts as an early PS2 effort. <laughs> Best but... square game ever. Uh, okay. <laughs> let, Josh let... is just, like, throwing out all the controversy. It, it, it's tonight. second best. Second best after, you know, Threads of Fate. But... Oh, I was going to go with 10-2. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the Brave Fencer Musashi sequel. Uh, oh. oh, yeah, they made two of those, didn't they? The first well, one's Ray fantastic. Fencer, was the second one a remake happy. or a sequel? I think it's Who a sequel. Cares? Yeah, I, I never played it. I honestly have no idea. But whatever. The um And Threads of, Threads of Fate's terrible, by the way. Don't play that. But So is the sequel to Chrono Trigger. Oh, uh, stop. What? <laughs> okay, where's that, where's that okay, podcast eject button? <laughs> Chrono Cross is a lot of things, but it's not terrible. I, I hated Under Stevens on Love Letter to Chrono Cross. A game with music that beautiful can, by definition, not be terrible. Then it can just sit on my iPod and it'd be just as beautiful. Uh, all music except for the main battle theme, of course, because that sucked. Yeah. The boss theme is really good. The uh, um, it's like something wind or something hurricane. Well, whatever. We don't. This is not a Chrono Cross <laughs> podcast. Um. Yeah, if, but if like, it was, like, Steven uh, would be here. I'm really enjoying derailing you guys, though. Yeah. <laughs> Caitlin <laughs> mentioned, like, 25 minutes ago or whatever, that this was um, Square Enix's, or Square's, first huge effort on the PS2. So they were trying a lot of new things. They made the game more linear. They were, it was, in some ways, it was experimental for a Final Fantasy game. And, uh, okay, I'm not sure where I was going with this originally, <laughs> but it, it, so it, it makes some interesting choices. <laughs> that's for sure and not just in the character costumes put on some fucking pants Seymour uh well uh put on a real dress Lulu yeah not so one made of belts literally forgot about this she has the highest of eight in the game so that dress made of belts is the most efficient clothing in the game period she also has the biggest boobs in the entire game <laughs> shocker and and her outfit shows them off Mm -hmm. and I and always... her, vic her victory point pose shows them off too. I know, right? She like leans <laughs> yeah. over and it's like she's flashing someone or something. So, so are, I... they, are they weighing her down? Is that comfortable for her? Im improved lighting in the PS4 version. Yeah. So I was <laughs> I was on an airplane. I was flying Southwest. So I, and of course, I was like the last person to check in. So I'm literally the last person going on the plane. Have to sit in a middle seat. I sit between like two seventy-five year olds, like this cute, really, really, really old couples, and. Uh, pull out my my vita i was like I, I gotta crank through this we're gonna have a podcast like gotta get through this literally you gotta be careful cranking it on an airplane it turns on and she just bends over and they look over and they look at <laughs> me 
And I like hung my head in shame, turned off the Vita, and pulled out a Kindle. I was like, I guess I'm reading this trip. Yeah, that some there are some RPGs that you don't want other people to see you playing. Or, <laughs> I mean, Final Fantasy X isn't necessarily one of those. That, but that's just a case of terrible timing. <laughs> and I'm actually happy I stopped because I got to my hotel room, fired it back up. Like five minutes later, Riku strips, and I was like, "Ah, oh, that was probably smart for me not to do that on the plane." So, yeah. Uh, oh, complete. Si- oh, actually, not side note. Let's actually talk about the game. Oh, okay. I know that that that, that sounds crazy. I, um. So Blitzball's great. <laughs> I want to talk about the game, not something that shouldn't have been included in the game. But um, Tish. So Riku, like, I've I've always kind of had an issue with how quickly everybody's okay with forgiving her. Um, oh, for over attempted oh. kidnapping. Yeah, I mean it's it's basically. I mean, obviously, she has that secretive conversation with Lulu and Yuna, but it's yeah, one I'm of those things. I'm still not sure what they talk about during that. Just, I mean, it's just just the Albed stuff, or is there more there? I think it's the fact that Yuna's Yuna's related to her. Yeah. Oh. And that she was doing it to save her. All right, and and they couldn't tell, and also they were definitely hiding the fact that Riku and Yuna are Albed from Waka. Yeah, because Waka, as we discussed last episode, is kind of racist. Just a little bit. <laughs> I can't but, believe I was traveling with an Albed, a heathen. But Sorry. beyond all of that, so Yuna's all right, which I get. Basically, everybody's all right with whatever Yuna wants. But this girl just tried to kidnap the most important person of your group. And basically everybody's okay with her sticking around because Titus is like, yo, she saved my life at the beginning. And everybody just drops it. Let's her steal things from monsters. Good at stealing things from monsters. And if she's that good at stealing things, she's somebody that you can't trust. Just saying. Well, but that's a thing that a lot of Final Fantasies do at some point. And it seems to be a trend with the perky character in particular because... Yeah. Uh, Yuffie, you know, of course, steals all your materia in seven, and then uh, Vanille, uh, you know, in thirteen, kind of reveals that she was inadvertently responsible for Do- uh, what's Saj's kid's name? Do- Dodds? Doge? <laughs> Not Bosh. Doge. <laughs> Doge. Bosh. Bosh. Such such sass. Much chocolate. Uh. Anyway, for this kid getting made into a So I mean, like, it's interesting how they kind of reuse that plot thread yeah uh, i get i get it's final fantasy so i shouldn't be asking questions of why people join groups but i felt like this one made so much sense uh all the other characters basically in your group for the most part make sense except for her like her joining does come out of nowhere not quite as out of nowhere as when kate sith basically forces himself on you in ff7 Right, and that's, oh, that's but, but oh. we forgive Kate Sith because Kate Sith is a cat riding a moodle. So. <laughs> True that. I had when Yuffie joined my party in FF7. This is a side note again. I didn't do the Wu Tai side quest my first time my playthrough, so I literally basically just recruited the chick who was stealing all my stuff <laughs> without go- going anywhere into her <laughs> personality or story. <laughs> well, I mean, I agree that. Riku joining does come out a little bit out of left field, but I mean, she sort of appears and she obviously knows Yuna and Tidus already, which is more of an in than a lot of characters in other RPGs. Like, I, I, it didn't bother me a lot. So, 
she's the first person he meets when she comes. She that he meets when he comes to Spira. That that's more establishment than a lot of these party members tend to get. Yeah, right. And, but and Yuna seems to know her, and she she does. She is eager to help. Literally, how it comes across though is like the rest of the like females have their little conversation, but all the guys are like, she just stripped. Sure, take her along. Like that's almost how it is. Like, yep, she's taking her clothes off. We'll keep her. I don't much care for her outfit to begin with. Um, <laughs> it's better than her ten two outfit. Which yeah. one? Yeah. Well, let's the, just say the that all one. of her outfits are better than her ten two outfits. I'm really bothered by the two ribbons coming off of her shirt. Those yeah, are, those what seem, is that about? They seem so unnecessary. Did she really need does that it, extra splash of yellow? Hey, I don't think it, so. Does, does it make more sense than Titus wearing a fishnet on his leg? There are, I mean, there's a lot of things that don't make sense about the wardrobes in FF10 in general. I mean, I, I mean, Titus's overalls, half shorts, and Seymour's not a shirt, and Lulu's not a dress. And his fake sunglasses? What are, what are those glasses? Are those reading glasses? He doesn't have to read. Oh, see, oh you mean... Orange? Uh, orange? Yeah. Oh, Stephen what? Colbert. Those, those are just. <laughs> he, he does kind be, of, doesn't he? I can't be the only one who's seen that, right? That, those are I, mean. Uh, not until while. now, I didn't. Oh my, I need this. <laughs> that was, go Google that. Someone made did a side by side comparison of Orin and Stephen Colbert. As if Stephen Colbert needed to be more awesome. Yeah, he's also the best Final Fantasy party member ever. Yes. Um, I shouldn't have searched that. This is this has led to a dangerous. Apparently, my Google safe search is off, and there's oh. just there's just like deviant art popping up everywhere. So, thanks for that. You're welcome. I, I aim to please. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, back to the game, right? Yeah, I don't know. I just I had an issue with her joining. I mean, obviously, there, there's the same kind of issue with uh, Titus. It's like, well, why? Yeah. Dude was standing in the middle of the ocean and talking crazy. Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, it's about the same as him joining uh, Yuna's Guardians. They have no reason to trust him. He just literally came out of nowhere. But Waka has that weird fascination. real good. Yeah, Waka has that weird fascination with them See, because of his brother. See, that's the reason for Blitzball is that it gets Waka to trust Titus and thus starts the story. That's why Blitzball exists. Sure. <laughs> and to give another reason for Titus to have daddy issues. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, 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 Jack just, you know, like, de demeans him in almost every single one of Titus's flashbacks. And, and a lot of them are related to Blitzball. So, okay. Good. So, daddy issues. <laughs> like, what the hell are, and like, hey, I've seen you for... 10 seconds since coming back. I'm just going to tell you, by the way, send your dad. Yeah. And then like four hours later, be like, by the way, don't tell anybody. Yeah, that that is weird. I think I mentioned that in the last episode, but it, it in a way, it's it's pulling the rug out from under the player. Like, wait, wait a second. What do you mean sin is jacked? Like it, it doesn't make sense to Titus or the player. And you don't, it doesn't really make sense at all until almost the end of the game. But it, I, I mean, it, it, I think it does give you a little bit of additional context. Like, at least after Oren tells that to Titus, Titus can be like, so my, that's my old man. What are you doing under there, old man? Like, and, and it sort of just gives him another thing to think about. In but a better it's... story, they would have waited till the end. Sin would have been like, 
Titus, I am your father. Bit off his hand. They would have ended with him screaming, and then Final Fantasy X-2, they come back. In Final Fantasy X-2, they go to a forest planet full of little woodland creatures and save them. Lots of little blue bears. Sure. I thought that was the plot of X-2. Oh, God. What game did I play? (laughs) I I think, though, that part of the reason why they had to have that reveal so early is that part of Titus' story is coming to reconcile with his father in time to yeah. oh yeah you know, a part of deal with them <laughs> and if it had been revealed later it, the, it there wouldn't have been enough time for him to have you know said oh well you kind of sucked as a dad but i love you bye bye it just would have felt forced i also think there's an element that around the time that whole conversation happens titus is basically planning on leaving and i, I think arn has him on the hook then that he has to at least stick around to know what's going on and that eventually he gets more drawn into everything Oh, so you don't believe that Nuna, like from the first glance, was enough to keep Titus around? If he was smart, he'd have gone after Riku. <laughs> There's a whole question of like, I can't remember. Like she, Riku asks him a question, and you can say like, "Yeah, I guess," or like he says something like, "I'm more interested than you," or whatever. No, no, I think Lulu asks. Uh, isn't he speaking to Lulu and? Or uh, is he's, I thought he was talking to Lulu or Waka, and then he basically has to answer the question, "What's which one's your type? Yeah, that. And, yep. yeah, I guess that can get a little, that gets a little weird, but mm. I, I think that Titus's daddy issues are, uh, it, might, it might be a little bit reductive calling them daddy issues, but like him seeking to, like, uh, seeking closure with his dad is a really important part of the game, and I think that Oren telling Titus that Sin is jacked is a valuable plot point to, to to both to maybe to confuse the the player a little bit, but um also every time Sin appears, having that additional context and making you think about what the hell Sin is and what the hell Jekt is, what the hell Jekt is doing, like uh, with each of those encounters, I think I think it's an interesting decision that they that the writers did that, but um. Yeah, maybe it would have been better if they didn't do that, but still had Titus with Jekt flashbacks every time Sin appeared. Maybe. I I don't know. And he would just, like, slowly realize on his own. Yeah, I, I actually think it would have been cooler if there was there was small hints of things, kind of like, uh, which I actually don't know this because I don't remember this from when I played through. Arn's dead, right? Yeah, he's unsent. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. that would have been such a cooler reveal, like, reveal, like, that, they play that up, there's enough hints that you think there's something wrong or you can make a guess, but you, it's not ever confirmed. Well, it's like no, selective, it's, it's though, in the way it works, because there are other sendings that occur when him, him present, it doesn't affect him until the end of the game. No, it, no, it does, affect, it does affect him. When um, when Yuna sends, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Jiskel, um Yeah, he uh, struggles. Yeah, yeah, like Oron oh. visibly is in pain. Like he is happened. not, and he, he is uh, not doing well. And he refuses right. to, to walk into the far plane with everyone else when they visit uh, around that same point of the game. See, and, I told you I was gonna make a mistake because I don't remember. <laughs> no, 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 well, no, it's fine. And um, <laughs> okay. and and there's a another part later in the game in Befell Temple where Yuna's about to do ascending, and there's other characters present who are unsent, who sort of like talk her out of doing it. They they um the the Oren reveal I thought was a uh, one of the cooler reveals, uh, even though it's. Uh, that's much further than where we were supposed to have stopped. Right, yeah. but I I think that's successful because there's hints they they play coy with you. Whereas 
there there isn't even a chance for you to have any animosity towards Stan, any feeling whatsoever. For you, and then you're just like, oh, by the way, the thing that's evil is also your dad, who you already thought was evil. And you're like, oh, well, it would have been so much better if they had. You start to understand who Sin is. You go through these flashbacks with Jack. Just get to the point that you're like, maybe he wasn't just a terrible person, and then you find out that he's Sin. Because then you have this emotional turmoil of, well, there, there's this mishmash of everything. Whereas at the point where you're told he's evil in both regards, so you don't care. Well, I mean, it—I mean, you do care a little bit. It's—it's—it—it—it it, it, it reinforces Titus's feelings and makes him even more determined to save Yuna and to and to help Yuna defeat Sin. But then once it comes out exactly how that happened and what the nature of being a summoner is, that's what creates the emotional turmoil. It's—I I, don't—I think it was mostly an interesting decision to reveal that Sin is jacked so early. But I agree that maybe. Um, instead of having the reveal and then building to the encounter, just teasing the reveal and building to the reveal may have been better. But that's playing a weird what-if game that I don't know if it's worth playing. Fair enough. I do think it was interesting, though, that they they kind of connect Tidus, uh, Oren, and Jekt together, that all three of them, for one reason or another, did not belong in that world. And of course, you don't you don't realize with Titus until you know pretty much the end of the game. But it was an interesting way to connect the three because they're the only three characters that we know of that exist in the prologue in Xanarkin. That's really interesting. I never actually thought of it that way. That's actually super interesting. Yeah, <clears throat> subtle but interesting. And see, that's I, I lean towards. I'd much rather have just subtle, and that's I enjoy that. I mean, Final Final Fantasy doesn't. I'm not going to say Final Fantasy never does subtle, but it's not their... It's not it their, occasionally does subtle. Subtly having, is not their strong suit. And 10, if we're being honest, for all its like cinematic bombast, there is a lot of little little detail and care and attention put into all these little facets of the world that you don't, you don't always see. Yeah, but I still wish it had a world map, dude. I, <laughs> I know, it all comes I know. back to the world map. I, and th- Back that's, to that. That's definitely a complaint from 2002 or something. But what, I'll give you the world map when you get rid of uh, Blitzball. A Blitzball. Well, I, could, I don't care world. about the world map anymore, guys. Gotta keep Blitzball. <laughs> I will give you all wow. the those things as soon as you get rid of the Cloister Trials. <laughs> I may or may not have looked at Killika Beast shirts on Etsy or something. Seriously? Yeah, Killika Beast are the, are the best. My uh... my team now has, I think. Uh, two, three beasts on it, and I'm trying. To, I'm I'm trying to recruit a fourth. I'm scouting out a fourth member of the beasts. We've come full circle, ladies and gentlemen. Let's uh, <laughs> ball again. I don't even I don't even know what to say to you anymore. You know, one interesting other interesting thing about Blitzball, each one of the oh, teams stop. each one of the teams has their own team identity that you don't really understand until you play. Like uh, like how the Ronso Fangs all have terrible speed but awesome endurance and, and tackling and uh, <laughs> and how the Killika Beasts are the worst team at the beginning of the game but around level forty or fifty they have the highest stats in the game. 
Wait, you played up to the point that you have level 40 and 50 players? Wow. Right, my highest level player is right around 45 to 50. Yeah. I just want to point out that you are announcing this on a podcast that will forever exist. Sure. And that shame should follow you the rest of your life. Whatever, Blitzball's great. Histories will side with me. So... As long as we're rectifying our past mistakes, I can't find that Stephen Colbert or in picture anymore. The internet <laughs> has failed me. I'm going to defend myself by saying that I have really weird friends. It, the sure. internet's a hell of a place. Um, internet's so, a hell of a drug. So, I... Alright. I find it interesting that you can level up on Blitzball, but you can't technically level up as a person in the world versus Sphere Grid. So maybe secretly deep down, the reason I love Blitzball is because it lets me level up like I'm playing an old Final Fantasy again. Yeah, and then actually, I, so I've, I originally, rem- I remember really liking the Sphere Grid, and this time around, it's starting to annoy me. In a combination with the weapons, it super annoys me. Um, are, you, are you playing advanced or standard? I, I know we went over this last time. But... I, I'm playing standard. Okay, because I'm, I'm using the advanced Sphere Grid on this playthrough, like I mentioned last time, and I actually, I... I don't know if I like it more, but it does give you a lot more freedom to build your characters early on. So, like, my Yuna is basically Lulu 2.0 right now. I, 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 I agree with Peter. I, I think the advanced one's way better. I uh, had Oron switch to Titus's track around the two-thirds mark just to teach him has Hastiga and give him more speed. It's great. It, I like. I really like the options it presents. So, I really like that. I, I, and I actually, I like the options that Sphere gives. I actually enjoy that. The issue I guess I have is it doesn't I would like on top of that and also kind of with the weapons to actually be gaining like there to be stats of like you gained this you gained this you gained this on top of this the sphere grid so like I'm having a hell of a time I don't know what weapons to equip because when I look at it it just gives me abilities it doesn't give me like oh this weapon's stronger right but okay the weapon system I can give you is a little bit weird because you're more giving... It's more that you have a base weapon and you're giving abilities onto it, and that turns it into a different weapon. Right, and then, and then I, I think I kind of... I switched... Because obviously you're gaining strength, you're gaining speed, all of that, through the sphere grid. I can respect that. I, I think I'm probably trying... I'm probably taking some of my disappointment in the weapons over to that. But I just... I wish there was more... More progression, I guess, with the characters. That's fair enough. And it is a little weird that the weapon that Waka gives Titus right at the beginning is like a usable, viable endgame weapon. Like, um. Yeah, I know, right? It's it's a little weird that they're like, I mean, in RPGs, I'm used to like progressive, like uh, throughout the game, getting more weapons that are that get generally stronger and get generally grant more abilities. But in this, in FF10, they don't really have hard stats, like Josh mentioned, and aren't always even better. It's uh, I, I almost never changed weapons until I got to the point where I am now and just did, like, weird monster arena farming. No. Yeah, I don't know. I just... It, it's 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 a little confusing for me. And it... It, it, it was frustrating at times because of that as well. Because I just... Obviously, when I get into a battle and I understand that there's a fire, that everybody's fire, I need to equip things so it's water or ice. Like that, that type of stuff makes sense. But I also would have liked, on top of that, to have tiers of weapons as you progressed, to feel like you were actually gaining something instead of just an extra ability. 
yeah, it, I mean, I, I, I probably would prefer it if it had hard stats attached to it as well, but um, the weapon system didn't bother me as much as some other things that I've already gone it, into. It's, it's, func it's functional. I think it, feel, I think it feels a little half-baked, but it, it does. It's mostly effective for what it tries to do, I guess. Okay. I feel like I got that off my chest. I'm good now. <laughs> well, sort of on a semi-related segue, uh, talking about battles, um, I'm curious how you guys generally ran your battles, because you know you can you can swap out characters in battle, and as long as they do something, everyone gets experience, and I tend to try and do that at least, like, you know, especially in boss battles, but even sometimes in random battles, uh, just to get everyone in at least one move to spread out experience a little bit. I do that. I still do that except for Kamari. <laughs> I do that. Nobody likes Kamari. I do that except for Kamari and Yuna. I barely ever use Yuna. I do I it. use Yuna all the time. Yeah, because she makes her Aeon stronger. I, I don't really use Aeons. I've, mo I've been using Waka, Riku, and Oron for almost the for almost every fight, and only switching in Lulu when there's an elemental weakness. So I do every person in every fight, every time. Including, including Kamari? Every single person. I, I do not do that. What's the problem with Kamari? Kamari's okay, a like, stupid blue bear. I like it's Kamari. I, I like Kamari as a character, but his thing with on the old Sphere Grid was that he doesn't really have a specialty, so he's he's not as useful as other characters. They, I've heard that people say that they fixed that for the, the international version. I don't think so. If anything, he's worse. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think it's basically the same. He's still a step behind every other character, and even if it gives you the freedom to go whichever path you want, I guess, but that just makes him a less good version of a different character. It, it I, just makes him a clone. He's yeah. a jack of all trades, but a master of none. And well, he's not really good at any of them. Yeah, that's why. And, and like you can, you it's can, like and you can, you can. Some of those, some of his like limit breaks, his monster abilities are useful in random encounters, but he can't get like special boss attacks or anything, can he? Um, some of those are, like, yes he can, but those are all late game, and Overdrive come, if, if his Overdrive, like, filled up faster and let him use Blue Magic more, I think, or Ronso Rage more, then I, it would be better, but it's not, it, it's not meaningfully better than what other characters can do. Yeah, so, that's really the, that's really the problem with Kamari. One of the things I was thinking of that would be super, super intriguing with Kamari is if, um, he technically was not on the sphere grid at all, whatsoever. But based off of whoever he lanceted, use the lancet on, he would gain attributes from them. So like as he's fighting, as he still gain, he'd still gain the experience and where like everybody else gets their little I got a ball. When that occurred, he would look at you have uh, fought like three strength guys, one fire guy, and a water guy will give you uh, two in strength and one in magic. And then all of his abilities, he also gained from stealing from other people. So he was like a complete, just like, he was a mime of whatever you came across. That could be interesting. Mm. It would make it so he'd be absolutely horrific at the beginning of the game. Um, but then an absolute boss at the end. Yeah, he could get some really interesting and really fun stuff later on. Yeah, that would have been kind of an interesting... Uh evolution of like the uh, the junction system from 8 where you got your magic by f 
fighting different kinds of enemies. And so depending on what enemy you fought, you get better magic or different magic. And that would have been kind of an interesting throwback if he, they had gone that way. He could have gained fire abilities. He could have gained water. So he, he could have had all of that so he could be there. He gained various strength. I, just, I thought it would have been an interesting twist instead of having him dead set in the middle. It seemed like they had space for everybody else on the sphere grid except for him. So just pop him out and give him an interesting twist. But well, yeah, but he doesn't have an interesting twist. He he doesn't really have any advantage that makes it, from a gameplay perspective that that makes him meaningfully better than than a different character for any situation. So, I mean, I I think it makes sense that a lot of people ignore him, which he is, does which, have, which is a bummer. But right. he does have the best character theme in the game. Sorry, not sorry. That is People of the Far North, which plays when you meet his tribe. Oh, okay. That, that is a good song. Which, I, did, I, which, I didn't really think of the game having character themes. I mean, it's not like it, it only plays in that one portion, so it's not necessarily a, a character theme, but I, I associate it with him because <laughs> that's his tribe or whatnot. So. The Ronzos also have the best rendition of the Hymn of the Faith once you meet them. Oh, yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that part rules. That and and Unaleska's version of the song is great too, because it's supposed to be all the faiths combining the song. Hmm. Yeah, I've never gotten that far. I don't think. So. I don't even remember. I don't remember where. I don't remember where I heard that, but I think yeah, it's supposed to be like all of the faiths mixed, so they're all like speaking out against Unaleska. And that was an interesting thing too for them to have. Uh, it's the same theme, just different voices. Some are women. Some are men. Different. Uh, vocal parts to sort of represent the different temples and the different aeons uh, by extension. I thought that was a really interesting thing that they did to sort of use the music to thematically tie into what you're doing in the gameplay. And then, like you said, to have it all joined together uh, in this one really weird but interesting choral piece. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So does anybody else have massive complaints, praise, anything that everybody, like struck anybody else that they wanted to talk about? I think despite all the problems that I have complained about in this game, I do really love this game. Oh, I, I, think, that's, I think that says something. Absolutely. I, I, I've enjoyed this a hundred times more than uh, Trails in the Sky, which I know is not <laughs> saying much. Um, but it's, it's one of those, uh, going back to this, I remember why I really enjoyed this game. Um, and any additional major comments I have are probably better saved for the next episode. But in general, I was I am warmer on this game now than I was ten years ago when I first played it. And oh, Blitzball really? is great. Yep. Is it just because of Blitzball? No. Um, it, I'm I'm going I'm going into it with more of an open mind because uh, I think when I played it a while ago, I resented that it wasn't as much like as 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 similar to the older Final Fantasy games as it was. But now I'm just sort of appreciating the beauty of it and trying to get a little deeper into the systems. Like, I, I'm actually getting... I actually got all the Aeons this time and a couple of Celestial Weapons, which I didn't do back then. I just sort of rushed to the ending when I got the airship uh, when I first played it. And I'm appreciating how deep this game is, or, or how deep the end game stuff is, and, uh, and how beautiful it is. I'm just stunned at how great and how shiny and pretty the game is, even though it was made 14 years ago. 
Yeah, it looks it looks really definitely the HD remaster, so it looks fantastic. It's kind of funny though. I have obviously I you know I'm not playing it now because of uh, reasons, but I remember I picked it up like maybe five or so years ago for whatever reason and started playing it. And I loved it when I first played it when it came out, but for some reason when I picked it up again, you know seven ten years later i didn't enjoy it as much i even remember thinking hmm. holy crap what did i why did i like this so much and i don't know if it was just maybe that was just a bad time for me to play the game or if it was that my my gaming sensibilities had changed at that by that point you know you get older you come back to things and either you like them more or maybe you're like eh, this wasn't all that but I remember having that reaction to the game, and I, I wish I could be playing it right now to see if it would happen again, if I would come back and say, eh, it wasn't all that good. Or if I would be like, yes, why did I ever doubt this masterpiece? We have like a week to power through it if you want to be on the final podcast I, for this. I'd like to, but I don't have a copy <laughs> anymore. Now, j just get to Luca and then play a bunch of Blitzball, and then you'll your feelings will be much, much more positive on it. It, we want Caitlin to come back to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she needs all our time for next month's game, which will oh, be next month's game. Drumroll. <laughs> so, this is going to be the uh, first community kind of picked. We looked, went through the forums and whatnot, picked out, uh, I think it was four games that you guys decided on. Try to take some of the more popular ones that you guys liked. And then we kind of internally said, what do we want to play? And uh, we ended up deciding on Final Fantasy Tactics. Yep. Yay! Which, only... That's actually not in Final Fantasy Tactics, but... I know. It's more like... Hey, I haven't played Final Fantasy Tactics. I'm going to be playing along with this show. Whoa! Wow. Really? Oh! Yeah, no, I've never actually played it. I have it on my Vita, and it is... Oh! That's fascinating. Okay. It's so good. That's fascinating. I, I can't wait to hear uh, a first-time player's perspective on this. Because, I mean, Final Fantasy Tactics is one of my all-time favorite games. I don't think I'm going to be on next month's recording of uh, talking about it. But, I yeah, that'll be a really cool to hear from a first-time player. Yeah, we're still working We're still working out like a crew. I'll fill in if someone needs to. But Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's one of my favorite games of all time, too. So I'm really excited to go back to it. I haven't played it since the first time I played it. Um, so I'm interested to see if it lives up to the hype. I've played it a lot, obviously. <laughs> PS1 and then PSP, and I have it on my phone. And then I just, for this, uh, for next month's playthrough, I bought it on my Vita, and I've been getting through the first chunk of it so we can all be prepared to talk about it. Awesome. I have spent an unconscionable amount of time playing the PS1 version. Like I like I, I I made calculator builds. I did a I did a low faith team with everyone's faith below twenty. I, uh, God, I I leveled characters up to ninety nine just so I could do the ninja catch trick to catch rare swords from the ninjas in the underground in the underworld area. <laughs> it, there are so many hilarious ways to break that game it is it is so much fun you're you're See, in you're in for a real experience peter unlike awesome. your obsession with blitzball 
I can agree with your obsession here. <laughs> yeah, now, now you sound sane. So, every, when, everybody when, should get when, excited uh, for that. So, when, how do we feel about Blitzball of... coming to Sorry, FF14? Yeah. All right. I was just saying, how do, how do we feel about Blitzball coming to FF14? Final Fantasy XV uh, needs no. Blitzball. If they can improve on it and make it actually fun, I'm all for it. Although, that's an interesting uh, story. How would you explain Blitzball in the world of Eorzea? I don't, I don't know. know. They, are, they already have a gold saucer and triple triad, so I don't even know. Yeah. Lightning showed up in Eorzea, for crying out loud. Because Lightning is a god. That's true, and you know there's going to be a Final Fantasy XV reference at some point. My friend and I have this theory that Lightning is going to be the new secret boss in Kingdom Hearts 3. That she's going to kill Sephiroth and replace him. <laughs> and then she's going So it'll be going like the Disgaea games where the, final, the secret bosses are always characters from previous games? Yeah, it'll be that, except like no one will no one will see it coming, and Lightning will just show up out of nowhere and be like, "Hi, we're we're gonna throw down now." I want to see Lightning just randomly on your home island. <laughs> Lightning's just like the new girl at at Destiny Island. Go to the other side of the island and I'm like, oh, okay. "Oh, you've just been here the whole time." Okay, You're calling hey. her the new girl is having me imagine Zoe Deschanel as Lightning. Oh, uh, no. That's, Why that's, would you do that? That's terrifying. I, I haven't played Final Fantasy thirteen. I'm not I don't really have a reference point to start with, except for uh Dissidia okay, well, twelve. Lightning Lightning and Zoe Deschanel could not be more different people. Oh yeah. We we, we have to end this now. I can't no, I can't handle that. Yeah. Broke my mind. Oh, you can't yeah. imagine lightning quirkily singing Beach Boys songs? <laughs> in a commercial for Spotify or something. Maybe in Lightning Returns. I want to like Lightning, not like her less. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta agree with Caitlin. Caitlin, see, I'm Caitlin needs to be on more podcasts. She actually agrees with me on everything. Aww. Aww. I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> if we ever do a Final Fantasy twelve episode, I'm worried the two of you will just be nothing. We'll just be too positive on it. <laughs> hey, finally, we wouldn't get yelled at for being too negative. So. All right. We'll bring, we'll bring Dabby on. He can fill in some negative negativity for FF12. He's not here. I can talk about him, right? Sure. Okay, cool. Hi, Dabby. You have fabulous hair. And he's not even going to do all the editing, so he might never hear it. So that's going to do it for episode 2-2 of Retro Encounter. We should actually be recording again very shortly for 2-3, so that should be coming out soon. Um in the meantime, you guys can write on the boards, say anything that you have to say. We'll, uh, like we do with Trails, we'll go actually go through a bunch of the comments. And uh, if you guys send any emails to retro at rpgfan.com, we'll do our best to go through and read all of those as well. So send us your ideas. Um, like we said, get ready for next month's game, which will be Final Fantasy Tactics. That will do it for us. You guys can say goodbye. Oh, okay. Goodbye. Play Blitz Bye. Ball. Go Beasts. <laughs> Blitz off. Don't play Bits Blitz Ball. Play Heaven's Word. Was that Bitch Ball? Like me. I heard Bitch Ball. I actually also heard Bitch Ball. <laughs> well, um, I think we have a swear allowance, right? And I don't think we've actually... I don't think we dipped into it. No, oh, we, yeah. no we, we did. But I, I, I said one and Josh said one. Oh, I, I said more than one. Okay. I always put us way over. I, I'm the reason that we have explicit tag. 
Well, we'll just have to put, put money into the swear jar Wait, until we, we can actually have, afford... we actually have an explicit tag now? Yeah. Oh, oh God. No. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Mother... Okay. <laughs> That's why, so I think it was supposed to make me feel bad and do it less, but it just made me swear more, so... Oh, it's okay now? Great. Yeah, that, that, that was me. Now it's just completely okay for me to do as much as I want. So, all right, that will do it for 2-2. Two, two.